Welcome to the Bucket List Buster Travel Show. Your Bucket List Buster Travel Show helps you make your bucket list dreams come true. Host Karen Duncan spent decades running the travel business. She, along with other industry experts, share their knowledge, travel stories, and wisdom about how to travel, where to travel, and how to have a stress-free adventure. Tune in. Give yourself permission to focus on yourself. Create lifelong memories with families and friends. And finally learn to relax, rejuvenate, and reconnect. And here's the host of your show, Karen Duncan. Aloha, buenos dias, ni hao, yahate, bula, guten tag, bonjour, jumbo, board tarde, everything's irie, and good afternoon. I hope you're having a fantastic day. You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. This is Karen Duncan, your bucket list buster. I am back to the living. You know, I hadn't been feeling good for the last few weeks and I can say I am in full effect today. So I hope you can tell the difference and um, it's going to be a great show today. We're back to, um, we're doing a continuation of our sports travel. And today we have with us Mr. Brian Walters, who I've known, we were thinking, talking about it, and it's like 10 years or so. Um, he's a very successful, seasoned business valuation specialist here in the Austin market, providing business valuations to assist in the resolution of several situations, including divorce and marital asset separation, estate planning, family limited partnership valuations, business partner dispute resolutions, purchasing of an interest in a business. And he's got some other expertise in management, consulting, pricing analysis, and so on and so forth. When it comes to finance, the man is a wizard. But he's also a huge cricket advocate of which you will learn. He's probably more passionate about cricket than I am about travel, if that's at all possible. Um, So it makes for a really fun conversation when we start talking about the two things that we love the the best. And he is on um, is a consultant for the U.S. Cricket Club. um, And he comes from Jamaica, where cricket was as popular, if not more popular than football, which is soccer in Jamaica. So we are going to learn a lot about the cricket, uh, International Cricket Council um, and how baseball might be thought of as the American sport. But guess what? Cricket is more popular than baseball. I was so shocked to hear that. Um, but it's really becoming mainstream. And um, as you will hear in our conversation with Brian, when we talk about options for cricket players and with what's going on with some of our sports that are um, becoming more dangerous for our youngsters to play. Cricket is probably one of those sports that you want to start looking at for your kids. We're also going to talk about why um, sports tourism is important. And um, I have lots and lots of uh information about sports tourism for you guys today and people want to know why do we want to know why sports tourism is important i think it's important because there are a couple reasons 
One is as you look, if you have children, children that are growing up, as you look for them to find a way to make a living in years to come, we need to start focusing on um, showing them and exposing them to options that may not have been available when we were growing up, but they may have a strong passion for and, and really want to look at. And sports management, sports tourism is one of those um, options. And so it could be fun. There's a lot of money to be made, as you will find out later on in the show. And I just think it's something that we should be talking about with our with our children um, in learning more about sports tourism. Plus, and if you live in a city or a state that um, tourism is a big part of their economic development, sports tourism is a fantastic way to bring in dollars to your community, especially on an amateur level where you've got baseball teams and soccer teams and football teams and and volleyball teams and tennis teams and and all of that all of that brings in tourism dollars when you have amateur sports coming into your town i'm hoping to have a conversation in a couple weeks with um, round rock texas which is considered the sports um, amateur sports capital of texas and that they are a great demonstration of what sports tourism is all about So lots to be learned about sports tourism, but let's talk about my thought of the week. There's a lot been going on and we've got some devastating news as we see coming out of Puerto Rico and Dominica and some of our um, islands um, south of us in the U.S. that we all enjoy and love to visit during travel season, during summers, and, and when we need to get away and when, we, when it's winter time and we need someplace warm. And we always tend to go toward those islands. It's close. Those people are friendly. The food is fantastic. There's so many things and activities to do there. And, and they're going through some devastating times in, in some of those islands. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about volunteerism. It's kind of been weighing heavy on my mind that I need to be doing something to help my fellow man in the Caribbean. I love the Caribbean and have made a living off the tourism industry to the Caribbean for 22 years. I've not been to some of the islands that have been impacted by Irma and Harvey, but it is my intention to visit them all someday. I look at small islands like Barbuda that only has 1,400 residents to start. Now, over half of those residents have lost everything. St. Martin's and St. Martin's, the French and Dutch islands that share the land, both have been hit super hard, as well as St. Thomas in Puerto Rico, who is dealing with all the aftermath of these two hurricanes. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how we can help the Caribbean brothers and sisters Should we do a GoFundMe page? Should we have a cricket tournament? Or when is it safe for us to go and do cleanup? What would be your suggestion? I would really like to know what my listeners feel would be a way that we could give back, even if it's just a small token of letting them know that we're thinking of them. Um, I really feel like because this is an industry that I love, I love the islands, we need to do something I have a platform. It's not a large platform, but I'm working on that. But whatever platform it is that I have, I would like to use it in a positive way in order to help some of these folks in the Caribbean. So I just need to know 
What are your opinion? It has always been my dream to have a place on one of these islands one day. So what would you suggest? How, how can we help as my listeners? I'm challenging you to give me a couple of ideas on what we could do as your bucket list busters to um, help those folks in need in the Caribbean. With that, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I get back, we're going to talk about sports tourism and the fastest growing segment within the travel industry today. This is Karen Duncan, your bucket list buster. See you in a minute. Hello. I would like to tell you a little bit about a bucket list buster trip for 2018. Wine and culinary journey in Portugal, featuring Sagres vacations to inspire your travels and peaks, cruises, and tours. This itinerary includes round trip airfare from Boston, eight nights accommodation in, in four hotels in Porto Duro and Lisbon, 12 meals including traditional lunches and picnic, Porto Full Day City Tour, boat trip from Pianua to Tuawa, wine tour tastings in four different wineries, Jeep and bike tours, Lisbon Full Day Center City Tour, all transfers to and from the airports between cities and English-speaking guides. We will arrive into Portugal on September the 3rd, actually September the 4th, on an overnight flight from Boston. And from there, we'll be transferred to our first hotel. Lots of fun. This trip will go on until September the 12th, where we will check out, of, check out of our hotel. But we would sure love for you to join us. So call us at 512-252-8919 if you're interested in wine and culinary journey in Portugal, September 3rd through the 12th. All of this wonderful fun will only cost you $3,399 per person. So join us on our first wine and culinary journey in Portugal. 512-252-8919. Welcome back to the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back to your Bucket List Buster. This is Karen Duncan, your host, and we are talking about sports travel and sports tourism. So why is sports travel so important? Well, it's the fastest growing segment within the travel industry today. According to some, this is according to Sports Facilities Advisory. Um, it brings in a lot of money, pretty much is what it's all about. A large amount of the money that comes in from sports is coming in from the amateur ranks. We, uh, as I noted before, we went to break. When you think about the amount of children's sports that take place and how you travel because of those sports. For instance, my son was a competitive gymnast. My daughter played basketball and we traveled all over the state of Texas because of tournaments. Same with everyone else's kids out there that's playing an organized sport. And what does that mean? That means you travel to a town 
You buy gas there and along the way. You stay in a hotel for the most part. You eat at local restaurants. That's all economic impact for a particular destination. So it behooves cities and states and towns to have organized um, amateur sports. Then we take it to another level. If you're lucky enough to have a university or a college town, a college in your town that has sporting events, whether it's intramural or um, NCAA or or any of the other organizations that um, um, take care of am, um, athletics, college, college athletics, then you will note that it even gets lar- it's a larger scale. So there are the alumni that come back into town. There are the traveling teams, the opposing teams, um, fans and boosters that come into town and their family members. So there again, what do they do? They eat, they drink, they um, go into shops, they go into gift shops, they have a great time while they're in your in your town. And then we go to the professional levels. And I'm just talking about organized sports. I'm not even talking about NASCAR or Formula One or skateboarding or um, BMX biking. All of those are sports that um, do the same thing, bring in cash dollars. But if you have a pro sport, then it's even a bigger scale. So how is that? Well, one, um, you end up having a stadium. Two, you have people that travel long distances, kind of like college, uh, if not more, to come in for these huge um, sporting events. There are parties and there are hotel rooms and there are um, transportation companies. There are tour companies because when people come in for large um, professional sports, especially if it's a bucket list type of a thing or once in a lifetime event like the Olympics, for instance, or the Super Bowl, you may do some auxiliary type tours and, and tourism type things while you're in that particular destination. So it's huge amount of money um, in the sports and tourism and travel industry. And like I said before, it's worth a look at Uh, from the perspective, if you're looking for a career or career change and you love sports, you're crazy about travel um, or just crazy about sports as a whole, then this might be an industry you may want to take a look at so that you can uh, live live your passion. So lots of money, uh, money goes into sports tourism. But aside from that, it integrates two pretty pretty good things that are integral in the grand scheme of life, travel, physical health, and then sports. And um, I've, I just received a fantastic catalog from an organization that does bike tours. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in another show. I'm hoping to get them on the show here pretty soon. But there's just so many options out there in terms of sports tourism Um, And we're going to talk about one when I come back from a break. We have with us today, Brian Walters, who's going to talk to us about cricket. If it's not been on your mark to see one, a cricket um, tournament or a cricket game, 
then this is going to be what we, we're going to make it a point. Your bucket list buster is going to a cricket game very, very soon. I'm going to take some pictures and some video. I'm going to upload it on Instagram so you can see me at a um, cricket game learning the sport. That's how we learn about people and cultures and all kinds of things is to be able to put ourselves out there. So let's get back to Brian here in a minute. In the meantime, I'm going to take a quick break. This is Karen Duncan, your bucket list buster. I'll see you in a minute. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back to the EWN Podcast Network. Hi, welcome back. This is Karen Duncan, your bucket list buster. And I have on the on the interview with me today is Mr. Brian Walters. Brian and I have known each other for many years. I don't even remember. We met at a a networking event um, at least five years ago. And and Brian, much like, well, I know. And so Brian is a seasoned business valuation specialist here in the Austin area that provides business valuations to assist in the resolution of several situations, including divorce and marital asset separation, estate planning and family limited partnership valuations, business partner dispute resolutions, and purchasing of an interest in a business. But on top of that, he is the cricket connoisseur of Central Texas, is what I'm going to call him. And originally hailing from the, the great island of Jamaica, we are going to talk cricket today. Hey, Brian, how are you today? I am wonderful, Karen. So nice to hear from you. And I almost had to look over my shoulder when I heard that introduction. That sounded very good. <laughs> and that's, what, that's who you are. <laughs> so let's talk about when, when, did we, when did we meet? How long ago has that been? Because it was in Hutto at the networking breakfast, right? Is that where we originally met? It may have been before that, because if I remember correctly, it had something to do with when each of us was involved with the African-American Chamber. So we're talking about ah. 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. So at least okay, yeah. say, let's say nine or ten years. That's a long time. 
a long, long time for us to be connected. All, all I know is I remember when your youngest son was sitting in church with his nanu in his mouth. So how old is he? <laughs> He's 11, about to turn 12. So yeah, that was there a you go. ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's you exactly right. You memory there, Karen. I know. That's, I remember that so distinctly, him sitting up there with that pacifier in his mouth. So that was sure, that was sure. quite a quite a bit of time ago. So you're exactly. originally from Jamaica. When did you come to the states? Moved to the United States in 1982. If you want me to be specific, January 10th, 1982 is when I touched down in Houston, Texas. Wow how do you, how is it that you remember the date so specifically? I have sort of a photographic memory when it comes to numbers obviously, which serves me well in my day job, but it also helps with remembering, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of thing. So it's certainly not a bad thing. So That's yeah, a that good thing. So, you, so you're, the perfect hu- you're the perfect husband then, because you never forget those important milestones. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let my wife answer that one for you offline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you were you were twelve when you got to Houston. I was about fourteen. I was about to okay, turn fourteen. So you had exactly. you had played cricket in Jamaica prior to coming to the states. Absolutely. Um, I tell people that there may be about five people on this planet who love cricket more than I do, mm-hmm. and one of those five people is my father. So wow. I gone back and forth with him to cricket matches as long as I can remember. I'm sure when I was two, three years old, I was still going to cricket matches with him. And of course, the advantage that we had in Jamaica is that my father was the principal of the school that I went to. And what happens is if you have, if you're the principal, you get to set the rules. So most of the time that we were in for lunch breaks or, you know, recess breaks or anything like that, not only was I playing cricket in the middle of the of the schoolyard, but my father was right there among all the students playing cricket with us. So it, it has always been a very integral part of our lives growing up and, and, and remains so until this day. Perfect. That's that's really good. So tell us about how you ended up in the field that you're currently in. Um, you start you have a finance degree, correct? Yes, I do. So my undergraduate degree is in human resources management. My master's degree is in finance. Mm. And when I decided to start my own company, and this is about 11 or so years ago, the last, let's say the last real job that I had before I started my own company was working for a consulting company where we did business consulting engagements as well as business valuation engagements. And the valuation engagements had always been something that I was partial to. And so when I had the opportunity to, to start my own business, you know, the, the difference between a consulting engagement and a valuation engagement is simply the fact that if you need a valuation, you can never be part of the team that provides that information. You always right. need to source that information from the outside. And, you know, uh, not to be too crass, but 50% of marriages in 2017 and in divorce Mm-hmm. And probably somewhere around 80 to 85% of the gross general product of Texas is generated by small privately held businesses. And 
to right. those two facts together, it simply means that there will always be a need for people who are divorcing and who own businesses to, to need evaluation. So somewhere around at this 60 to 65% of all my work is, is serving people in that specific space. Of Got course, it. there's always other reasons why people need to know what, what the businesses are worth. So there's always a lot of different reasons for that as well. Well, I'm hoping to be building myself an empire so I can get you to evaluate to evaluate our business one day and we find out that we're worth millions that I can sell to somebody. How about that? That is the idea. That's the idea. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And then you can literally just stay on your bucket list the rest of your life. That's, a, nice. that's exactly <laughs> what my plan is. That is so right. So right. So sure, tell us, sure. what. so what is cricket? Cricket is the second most popular sport in the world. That surprises many people, especially many. people who live in this country, because it is the only sport in the world that is more popular than cricket is soccer. Cricket wow. is basically what every other English-speaking country plays in the world on a major basis, with the exception of the United States. So in the U.S., baseball is the number one bat and ball sport. <clears throat> Excuse me people would be probably surprised to know that baseball actually derived from cricket. So several of the, um, the, the, the rules were changed and the bat was changed and the ball was modified and the mode of delivery was changed and you created a new sport called baseball. But all other English-speaking countries or all other countries that are from the former British Commonwealth play cricket on a major scale. Wow. And so where did you say it originated? It certainly originated in England. Right. Um, you, I'll, I'll spare you the history lesson, but <laughs> when uh, the U.S. was being uh, created as a country, obviously the, the founding fathers are all from England, it should not surprise many people to know that one of the activities that took place while the framers of the Constitution were doing that activity was they would take a break from writing the Constitution to actually go and play cricket match. George Washington was actually a very good cricket player. And wow. somewhere down the line, it became uh, untenable for whatever reason, and that's why baseball was created. But cricket has always been in the U.S. Today it's played by several people. I think the community in the U.S. is probably around 15 million people who play cricket. But, uh, you know, it's in a country of 330 million people, that 15 million tends to get a little bit lost sometimes. And one sure. of the main things that I try to do is to be able to to expand the horizons and expand the reach of cricket to those who have never seen it before, because it really is a wonderful sport. Yeah, I've I've had the uh, pleasure of seeing cricket being played in Barbados at the University uh. of. Uh, West Indies Cave Hill when I was there doing study sure. abroad with some students. And it was because of you that I was like, okay, it's right here in my backyard for the next two weeks. Right. I need to, I need to at least say that I've observed <laughs> the sure, cricket, absolutely. the sport of cricket. Um, and the players sure, sure. weren't all that bad looking either, but anyway, um, <laughs> the truth it, comes out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was with my students. I had to go with my students. I wanted to make sure that they sure. learned a little bit while learned a little bit about the national sport while we were there. 
So when did absolutely. you said you started playing, you were at least watching when you were three. When did you actually start playing competitively? I mean, the, 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 uh, what's interesting about cricket is that, you know, you will start playing as young as, put it this way, at the age where you're able to, you know, get a hold of your cognitive um, skills to be able to hold a bat and to be able to bowl or pitch a ball is when you start playing. So mm-hmm. while I don't have a specific memory of when that was, I'm sure it was somewhere around the age of two or three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, I certainly remember as a small boy, you know, we obviously lived in Jamaica, and so the, the representative team that we followed is the West Indies. The West Indies right. being the international team for all the, uh, all the English-speaking islands in the Caribbean. And I remember just clear as day as though it was yesterday, lying in bed with my father, listening to the West Indies cricket team play in various places all around the world. There, You know, in the early 70s in Jamaica, there was no internet, there was no TV, but you certainly had a radio. Right. You were listening to West Indies play in Australia, in Pakistan, in in India, all over the world. And, and it's one of the most fascinating things to me that, you know, you, you obviously are um, a travel maven. And one of the times that I first became interested in the idea of travel was just listening to the West Indies cricket team travel all around the world. That's always something that's funny. That's amazing. And that is why that's that's why I do what I do. And I'm talking about this particular topic right now, sports travel, because it is a lot of times that is the beginning of why people travel. They travel either for amateur sports as a a team, you know, playing T-ball or soccer. And you move up through high school and college and you actually get an opportunity to step outside of your own community because because of sports and um sure. and that's amazing that you you know you you're thinking about in the 70s laying in bed with your dad and hearing about countries that you never thought that you would ever get a chance to see probably at that point um you are but because absolutely of, right but, but because of playing cricket you've probably been to several places that you never thought that you would go to I've certainly been to several places. I will confess that the number of places that I have actually been to are far fewer than the number of places that I could potentially have gone to because I have a really bad habit of just loving one or two or three places Mm -hmm. and just repeatedly Mm -hmm. going to those same places. So in the last, let's say, (laughs) sure, so in the last 18 or 19 years, I think I've been to Barbados 17 times simply because <laughs> we just love the environment and we love the right. fact that cricket is played there. And, you know, it's a lot smaller than Jamaica and a lot easier to get around. So we tend to yeah. go there a lot. Obviously, we go to Jamaica to, to watch as well. We go to Trinidad. Uh, unfortunately, I would have been able to go to England this past uh, couple of months ago. But um, my my regular traveling partner to all these cricket matches is my father. And he had a little bit of a health setback recently, so we didn't get the chance to go to England. But the point remains, it, 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 it remains one of the most interesting ways of being able to experience the world through that sport. And, yeah. and, and just the, the fact that you're able to have a perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, of so many different things, so many different cultures, so many different ways of, 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 of doing things, it, it, it really is a very interesting side benefit of, of loving the sport as much as we do. So 
so tell me really quick or give our audience a a a short if there is a short um description <laughs> of how cricket of how cricket is played uh, the easiest way that i've found that I, several times a year i have the pleasure of teaching cricket to people who've never learned it before the best way for people to understand it is it's like playing baseball but with two bases and no foul territory. So mm. if you just think of playing a baseball game and there's home plate and there's second base, okay. and you can hit the ball in any direction, that will start getting you to understand what the sport is like. Okay. Uh, the game, you know, the traditional game lasts a very long time, but the most popular form of the game in 2017 lasts just about as long as an actual baseball game. So. Okay. Think of a baseball game with probably 10 to 20 times the amount of runs scored, something happening on every ball, uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of crowd anticipation, a lot of um, enthusiasm, and then you start to get the idea of what a cricket match is like. So where can I find local cricket games here in Central Texas to go, ex- to go watch? There are. Sure. There are three cricket grounds here in Austin. There is the uh, Old Settlers Park cricket ground, which is actually mm-hmm. my team's home ground. It's right behind Dell Diamond in Round Rock. Right. There is Williamson, Williamson County Regional Park, which is in Cedar Park. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third ground in central Austin off of Loyola Lane. And, okay. Uh, you know, maybe afterwards I can provide the exact addresses for you and Either you or anyone who listens wants to come out and, uh, and, and, and watch a game and hopefully have some, uh, someone explain it to you. I'm perfectly happy doing that and, and more than happy to welcome guests to whatever extent we need. That would be perfect. That would be absolutely perfect. And so you were a part of or are a part of the, is it the U.S. Cricket Association? Yeah, I'll skip all the gory details of the politics and just simply tell you that I am one of a handful of people, <clears throat> excuse me, who the International Cricket Council has identified as being a resource. And so we work with the ICC in an advisory capacity in order to help them understand and, and execute what's going to be the next uh, iteration of cricket in the U.S. Nice. Uh, I touched on it earlier. The population of cricket fans and let's just call it the cricket community in the U.S. is 15 million. And even though that's a very small percentage of the overall number of people living in the U.S., 15 million is actually way more than the number of people who, let's say, the number of people who are in New Zealand, the number of people who are in Sri Lanka, maybe not Sri Lanka, but, for example, the Caribbean. There's just, it's a huge number. And so for us to be able to get that, uh, the community in the way that it needs to be, combine the most Pop, or the second most popular sport in the world with the largest sporting market on the planet. And the potential is there for cricket to really have a very strong footprint in this country. So when I, um, when I work either with the ICC or when I go to the Boy Scouts and help them, or one of the best things that we did this past summer is work with kids at the Andy Roddick Foundation to introduce the game to them. That's the perspective that I'm bringing because right. in my mind, it simply presents an opportunity for kids, and I keep stressing kids because, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to teach a 50-year-old guy to play cricket. If he wants to learn, I'd be happy to teach him, but 
the best uh, impact long-term for the growth of the sport in this country is for you to teach it to kids. And so when I work with kids and teach them the sport and see how much fun they're having and the ability for them to learn an entirely different game that they didn't know a few hours earlier, that's what excites me. And the, the excitement is, is, is sort of underscored by the fact that we have such a large sporting community here in this country, and it, it would be a pleasure to have cricket maintain a presence. You know, nobody's looking to replace mm-hmm. football or basketball or baseball, but as long as we can help people understand that there are other activities that they could participate in, then so much the better. So is that your goal for cricket in the U.S. is to expose it to as many children as you can and and watch it grow? Um, I'm thinking, you know, and, and, and part of what I talked about earlier in the show is with with family members now taking a look at um, football um, and the injuries that are being incurred because of football, families are starting to look at other sports and they're open to other sports so that their kids don't have the, um, the, the, the hits that they used to have. Um, and cricket could be one of those sports. Um, it's a perfect time for us to be exposing people to that. I completely agree with you. And I hope this doesn't sound negative. Uh, You know, when I'm not watching cricket on TV, probably my second spectator sport to watch is football, American football, Mm -hmm. even though both of my boys, play soccer as well as cricket. The the sport that I love to watch the most is American football. But right. you touched on a very important issue. And, and the fact is that in some ways, football athletes today sacrifice the back end of their lives mm-hmm. for glory at the front end. And it, it's, as a responsible parent, you have to look at the idea that regardless of how much fun it is to watch, if you're looking to ensure a proper quality of life for your children, it may not be in their best interest to play that sport. And, you know, I'd love for cricket to get to the point where it's a realistic option. Um, One very important issue also, and we we talk about this when we are discussing our, our strategy with the ICC, is sports in this country, let's say the major sports in this country, are all very closely linked to the school system. And so Mm -hmm. for us to be able to identify an opportunity for kids in cricket, we sort of have to be able to lead them to the point where there might be a scholarship available, you know, down the line for them to be able to play. So one of our major uh, objectives is to be able to continue to work through the educational system, whether it be um, colleges and most likely it would be colleges on either coast difficult to get colleges in the center of the country, which is basically football dominant, to, right. uh, to, to pay much attention to this. But further down the line, I would say probably realistically within within five or ten years, actually get to the point where we offer cricket as a scholarship opportunity. So that right. presents the opportunity for people to not only enjoy playing the sport, but in potential to make a living out of it. And that's, right. I think that's one of our major objectives going forward. That that's so good. That's so good. And we're ta- you know, and talking about the football thing, I have a son that um, decided he didn't want to play football early on. His father was smart enough at the time to say he did not want him to play Pop Warner. He didn't need to play until he was in middle school. Well, by the time he got to middle school, he felt so behind that the other students who had been playing Pop Warner football. 
that he was a little hesitant. He was very hesitant to get out on the football field because he just thought that, you know, he was just way too behind. And so I could not believe that I was going to have a son that didn't play football as much as we love football and football, it has been part of my life, all my life. I was just kind of in shock that you, what do you mean? You're not going to play football. You're not going to even try to play football. And that went on, but he was, He was he was also a competitive gymnast ranked in the state. Um, at one point, he was number one in the state for his age category, and and he had he had a couple falls, you know, that I look back now and go, wow, you know, it probably could have been concussion, blah blah blah. But you didn't know back then. You didn't re- you didn't recognize the dangers. And now looking back, I'm so happy that he didn't play football. Um, but I still like to watch. I, I tell you, we're, we're I'm a huge University of Michigan fan, and and uh, I don't watch. I don't. I, yeah, blue and maize and blue is my is my team, and I kind of right. watch the pros, but I really don't until after college is over. You know, so that just leaves the Super Bowl. So whatever. Right, right. But I'm hoping. Exactly. But I'm. But I'm with I'm with you on you know it 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 will become a sport. I think cricket will become a sport that um, will be recognized very soon as an opportunity for um, scholarships in some schools. It just takes one or two for them to start it, and once those two start it, then then it'll be on for sure. So you said you, you only know, travel. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say just to that. Last point, one of the members of the committee that I mentioned that I was on, on the International Cricket Council, one of the members of that committee is a former COO of the NCAA. Mm. And so one of his most important contributions is to assist us in helping to figure out what are the ways that we can get cricket as soon as possible into the, um, into the school or into the, into the educational system. Very important. And, and the last thing I'll say about that is, not only would it be an opportunity for potential cricketers here to be able to make a living, but think of it as a recruiting tool for, let's say, let's pick a university, University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. The University of Michigan were able to recruit a student in Mumbai or in Adelaide and say, hey, we hear that you're a wonderful cricketer. Why don't you come here, learn engineering and learn you know, business or whatever it is, but also have the opportunity to, to play a sport. And you offer a scholarship to that person, you're all of a sudden widening and widening or broadening the scope of your university's reach just by virtue of the fact that you can offer an activity to somebody who who ordinarily probably would not have otherwise looked at your university. That's so true. There are many opportunities there, and we're continuing to look into those as much as possible. And just FYI, I Googled it, and the University of Michigan has a cricket club in fact they have a couple they've got the graduate cricket club they've got a graduate cricket club news they've got the michigan sure. cricket association so it's going to come to michigan first watch we're going we're gonna to we're gonna put it out there I, I, I would not be surprised there's actually a significant there. amount of <laughs> there's a significant amount of cricket in michigan the next step would be for it to not just be a sporting activity like a club sport but it's actually right. a sport that money is, is, is behind and that's 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 that the direction is, in which we're headed true. that is so true so what um we've d- kind of discussed what you'd like people to know about cricket are there any events coming sure. up that we should know about 
Well, very coincidentally, and I've mentioned um, how America has always had crickets. Yesterday was actually the 183rd anniversary of the oldest international cricket rivalry, which is the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. So we just finished that tournament. The U.S. plays Canada in in a tournament called the Audi Cup. We play that every year. For the first time in a handful of years, the U.S. defeated Canada this year, and that was last week. So the very... At the very immediate future, there are no actual cricket events coming up internationally. However, if you're in Austin, the Austin Cricket League, or what we refer to as the Central Texas Cricket League, has matches going on every weekend at all of those three grounds that I just mentioned, all the way through roughly the end of October, the beginning of November. So I want to reiterate that if you or any of your listeners want to come out and look at a match and have somebody stand right there and explain the entire thing to you, say the word and I am there. So how would someone get in contact with you either for cricket or for your um, business? You know, your Uh, services. Absolutely. Uh, The easiest thing to do would be to just um, email me. Email mm-hmm. being bwalters at bwaconsultants.com. Uh, they can also call me. My phone number is 512-924-3979. And I am always happy to take and field conversations, whether they be business-related or whether they be cricket-related. I am at, The most important thing to me is to be a resource. And if the the way that I can be a resource is by helping you teach your kids how to play cricket. Say the word and I'm there. Obviously, if you need help on the business side, I'm perfectly happy doing that as well. But of course you are. In the are. context of this conversation. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the context of this conversation, I, I am only a phone call or an email away from helping you to experience something that you've never experienced before. Perfect. And one last question for you, Mr. Walters, is what's on your bucket list? Oh, this should not surprise you at all. <laughs> I know it's a cricket tournament every, somewhere. Absolutely. Every winter, in fact, every Boxing Day, Boxing Day being the day right after Christmas, there is a major test match. A test match is sort of the older version of cricket, the one that lasts for five days, that most people in 2017 don't pay a lot of attention to but us traditional cricket fans absolutely love Mm -hmm. there is a test match that is played in australia obviously the day after christmas is winter for us here in this hemisphere but it's the middle of summer in australia right it is on my bucket list to spend five days in australia seeing the west indies play against australia that tournament sort of happens once every four years so uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's not this coming Christmas, but the following Christmas is when it's going to happen, and I will make that bucket list before I die. If I have to come back there from the go. dead to attend that match, <laughs> I'm absolutely <laughs> going to do it. <laughs> well, I hope that's not the case. We're going to get you there before before you die and then have to come back. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's work on that. You know, yeah, have conversations about that. Yeah, let's work on that. Well, I do appreciate you coming on and telling us all about cricket and how um, we're going to grow this sport just from this conversation that we're having on your bucket list buster today. But we appreciate you. And um, and I'm going to I'm going to. 
come out to one of the fields so that I can um, come back to my audience and tell them that I've actually watched you guys play or watch somebody play sure. here in the Central Texas area, take some pictures and that type of thing and and do my part in helping this sport grow in the United States. So thanks a lot for coming on on today. My pleasure, Karen. Thank you so much. And let's talk soon. Absolutely. This is your bucket list buster, Karen Duncan, and I'm going to take a quick break. Talk to you in a minute. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back to the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back to your bucket list buster. This is Karen Duncan, your host. So I came across this article by Lindsay Denny that discusses the difference between volunteering and volunteerism. Earlier in the show, I was talking to you about my desire to be able to help the folks in the Caribbean. And this is one of the options that might be available to us. And so I thought I'd go into a little more detail. So when you send me your ideas, you can tell me if this is something that we want to do. So volunteerism is a short term usually included in a larger vacation. For instance, Sandals has a program um, that they... When you get to their resort and you check in, they have as one of their excursions where you can go to a school, um, you can read to the children, you can take school supplies, so on and so forth. Cuba also has a program. In fact, it is a requirement in order for Americans to go into Cuba to have some people-to-people experience or do some type of volunteer work while you're there. And so a lot of the tour companies and cruise lines have made excursions helping, visiting, interacting with the people as part of their package in order for you to go. So that's volunteerism. More than likely, the group is a group-oriented and it has specific dates for this these trips, of, uh, except for in the sandals situation. There's no expertise necessary and openness to new things, but otherwise you are not expected to be an expert in a particular field. We're still talking about volunteerism. Participation for a fee. For instance, the excursion with sandals to go to the school costs $25.00. Um, Most of the excursions with the cruise lines are either included as part of your cruise package or there is an additional cost. Um, So there is a participation fee and then it is run by a company, the tour company, the resort company, the cruise line, for instance. And then there's volunteering. Length of time varies for the most part. The longer you stay, the more effective your time will be. Many programs require a minimum of two to three months in order to get you oriented and give you time to see the project through. 
more expertise is required. That means you need to kind of have some sort of skill that they can use. Like if you're building wells in Africa, you know, to have some experience in water purification or construction, um, engineering, that type of thing. Um, fundraising is necessary in order to do the volunteering for these specific type projects as there is an intense orientation and on the ground training um, prior to going or, and then once you get there to get you acclimated about what the project is and then there's capacity building meaning they want to get something accomplished while you're there and then emphasis is on the community. So it's not specific to a, a particular um, group or school or that type of thing. It's usually a, some, a project that's going to help the entire community. So volunteerism is becoming a growing trend, especially amongst our younger travels, travelers like millennials. Uh, they're very interested in giving back and, and helping communities and being immersed in the experience of the culture. So volunteerism is a huge part of, um, of their just genetic makeup when they go to places. And so it's very interesting because as you see, the, two, the difference between the two, volunteerism is more uh, specific to doing it as part of a trip that you're going, you're going on vacation and you just want to do something while you're there, something small versus volunteering, which is a huge undertaking as we can see as people are, are volunteering for the recovery of these uh, hurricanes. But people are finding out, companies as well, cruise lines, tour companies, resorts are finding out that as these millennials are coming um, through their um travel entity, they are looking to make more of an impact. And so I'm, I'm not going to be surprised that volunteerism is going to have a, a bigger impact on the local economy than what has been seen in the past. And it is a, it's a growing demand. So the market is getting ready to kind of start creating these experiences. We call them experiential uh, travel experiences where people can really get in there while they're on vacation and there is no separation of the two. What you're doing while you're on vacation is your vacation. So you you may be digging ditches, but that's part of what you wanted to do as a person going on vacation. So there's going to be a very fine line between the two of them. So when in talking about what we can do for the Caribbean, you tell me. Do we do volunteer work or do we do volunteerism? I think that with um, how volunteerism is is coming about, there is an opportunity for us to do some volunteerism while we're on vacation in these islands. Because here, once again, my point has been: if we do not, if we do not uplift tourism in these destinations and on these islands, then they lose everything. They've not just lost their um, homes. They've lost their way of making a living. And it's very important that we help them get their little shops back up. We get their restaurants back up. We get their whole way of life back up and, and as close to normal as we possibly can so that they can invite 
people like us back to their destination so we can show them the love by supporting them in what they know best, which is feeding us, making us feel welcome, um, and supporting the tourism industry, of which I'm all about supporting the economic development through tourism as much as possible. So think about those two things as we go through um, the rest of the week and until next week, hopefully I hear from you guys so that we can talk about it on next week's show about what you what you have said. I'm going to put it on Facebook as well so that you have an opportunity to answer and then we'll talk about it on next week's show. And how was that conversation with Brian? Was that not fantastic? He, I told you he was passionate about uh, pickle. I mean, uh, cricket. I told you he was passionate. And he is going to change the way we see cricket in the United States. I'm I'm sure of it. Um, so look forward to your children being able to go and play cricket one day at a university. And it's going to be because Brian Walters had a lot to do with it. I'm going to take another quick break. And when I get back, we're going to do Thursday's tips with the wireless traveler. This is Karen Duncan, your bucket list buster. I'll be back in a minute. Another Your Bucket List Buster vacation holiday. Join Peaks Cruises and Tours and Your Bucket List Buster host Karen Duncan as we travel the Danube Delight on the Emerald Dawn with Emerald Waterways. We will leave the States on May 12, 2018, arriving in Budapest, and we will travel to Nuremberg. We have 10 cabins available. So you need to get on board right now. But let's take a look at what we'll be doing and what's all inclusive. We have innovative onboard features, spacious accommodations, all onboard meals, enjoy a light breakfast and lunch, carefully selected wine, beers and soft drinks, tea and coffee available, served right to your suite if you request it. Enjoy each port with all inclusions, excursions, extra special included excursions, courtesy of Emerald Plus, biking and hiking guided tours, visits to many UNESCO World Heritage Sites, excellent service from English-speaking guides, knowledgeable local guides of each destination, complimentary bicycles on board for daily use, complimentary Wi-Fi on board, and all airport transfers. So join us on the Danube Delight with Emerald Waterways and your bucket list buster. Call us at 512-252-8919. See you in... Welcome back to the EWN Podcast Network. Well, it's time for Thursday Tips with the Wireless Traveler. Welcome back. We are going simple but really relevant today in our tech tips for for traveling. Ever been out and about and suddenly your phone dies and your nifty portable charger is dead too? Who hasn't that happened to? And bad enough if that happens at home or work where you're not too far from an outlet or a charging source, but when you're abroad 
who needs that hassle? So once again, the wireless traveler has some great tips per, for preserving your battery life, but also some nifty ways to charge it on the go. Number one, culprit, automatic updates, disable them. And not only will it save your battery, but avoid hefty data charges as well. Be sure to disable automatic email updates, auto syncing, or any push notifications you might have set up, like updating to the latest iOS version for our iPhone users out there. In fact, if you are heading overseas in October, the wireless traveler folks strongly advise you to update to iOS 11 before you leave your home or work Wi-Fi or unlimited data plans here in the States. Some apps even give you the option to only sync when your phone is in Wi-Fi mode like Evernote. Wi-Fi calling apps can also drain your battery like crazy, so be proactive. Make or receive your calls in the hotel free Wi-Fi and then swipe or exit out of all calling apps so you don't have any of them running in the background chewing up your battery juice. So lest you say you've done all this and just need to access apps while on your tour during the day, no problem. Be sure to take a portable charger. Wireless Traveler has promised to feature the best on the market in next week's talk, but in a nutshell, they range from plain vanilla to flashlights to finders of all sorts of bells and whistles and very affordable pricing, many of which can be picked up at the airport. You can even get charging wallets and purses, which we think are so cool and multi-purpose for the woman on the go. Just remember to charge these goodies up at night while you're sleeping so your phone is ready when you need it. We hope you've enjoyed listening today and look forward to meeting up again next Thursday for more tech tips from our friends over at Wireless Traveler. Well, folks, that's all I have time for today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Remember to subscribe to your Bucket List Buster or leave a comment. Next week, we have Pam Boyd, Executive Director of Greater Austin Pitball Club, and she is going to talk to us about this phenomenally fast-growing sport in the country. And we'll talk to her about how it's played, where it's played, and who's playing it. This is your bucket list buster. Travel recharges your mind, body, and soul. You deserve it. Your bucket list buster is here to help you start living your dreams. Visit me on Facebook or see me on Instagram. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you found some resources in today's show that excite your travel juices, provided you some valuable information for your next trip, and it gave you permission to take time off and have some fun someplace in the world. I will see you next week. Talk to you soon.
Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.